We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. Ephesians 5 and 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as their children. Everything else we're going to talk about for as long as this series lasts will be an attempt, as the Spirit of God leads us, to unpack this verse. Essentially, this is the teaching. And what is it? Be imitators of God as their children. Let's see how the TPT puts it, the Passion Translation. Be imitators of God in everything you do, for then you will represent your father as his beloved sons and daughters. Straight away that tells you that if you are not imitating God, you are not repping as a son. So to represent God as a son is not to speak what he says. It's to do what he does. To think how he thinks. To act how he acts. Listen, folks, there's a great disconnect between what we know and what we do. And that is because we have not gotten to the point where we understand, and I've said that in this house a lot of times, that the word of God is for application. We're struggling with it. And so this attempt, this, this, this series rather, attempts to bridge the gap between what sons of God know and what sons of God do or ought to do. Because as you know in this house, sonship is a call to responsibility. It's not just a privilege. It's a call to responsibility. It's interesting how also in this part of the world we struggle as believers with imitating God when essentially the society is built heavily reliant on imitation. We are in a society that is heavily reliant on imitation. In other words, we know what it means to imitate. It is even as driving in society that it is incorporated as a business model known as apprenticeship. I was talking with um, one of the major electrical electronics dealers and um, he was, he's been in that same spot for 25 years. Has a few properties there. He does everything electrical, electronics and logistics. And he said he was telling me his story how he served his boss for nine years. Nine years. And serving in the apprenticeship model is just watching what the guy is doing and doing. Watching how he's negotiating and learning how to negotiate. It's not a course. You don't get a certificate at the end. Watching how he runs his petty cash and running the same. Watching how, at what point he chooses to restock a particular item. At what point he increases the cost of a commodity because it's becoming scarce. Knowing at what time to close the shop, what time to open the shop, at what point to profit margin. They have a book where they tell you how much the thing is and what the list they can sell it is. The apprentice sits there in the shop, is content to be given transport. 
if he's not living with the ogre. He's content to be given 100 naira to buy hot beans in the morning. And he's happy to run errands. He's happy to wash the ogre's car, sweep the shop for the joy that is set before him. If he has a girlfriend, she knows that he's a servant. He tells her, just wait for me. My ogre will settle me. If he has family back home, he's telling them, Mona, just wait for me. My ogre will settle me. An ogre has not told him, I will settle you on the 3rd of July, 2025. Ogre has not even told him that you have to serve me for minimum of X amount of years before we start to think or talk settlement. No such thing exists. They just bring you and say, sir, we want him to serve you. And then you call him into the process. And in the process, you're observing everything he's doing and learning to follow suit. So we live in a society that is heavily reliant on imitation. So we understand what it means to imitate. Have I made my point? You look at it, are you sure this is original? Because by, by nature, you're looking out for an imitation. A bad copy. We know what it means. The word imitate is the word memetes in the Greek. That's the word Paul uses. M-E-M-E-T-E-S. Memetes. It's the same word he uses in 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11 in verse 1. Are you there? So he says, be imitators of me. This is the New American Standard Bible. Let's read King James. He says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. That's the same word used, right? Memetes. And we'll, we'll come to that in a bit because in Ephesians 1, he says, be imitators of God. Right? Be imitators of God as children. And then 1 Corinthians 11 says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. The word is memetes or memetes and it means one who emulates. This definition is very crucial. It says, it is the positive imitation that arises by admiring the pattern set by someone worthy of emulation. The positive imitation that arises from admiring the pattern that has been set by someone who is worthy of emulation. Not just anybody. Do you get it? The positive imitation that arises from admiring the pattern set by someone who is worthy of emulation. That's the word mimites in the Greek. Of course, you know in this house, if you're joining us, you, you get to understand that the New Testament was written primarily in Greek. So sometimes it's important to refer to the original language to get a good grasp of what the text is trying to say. It also goes on to mean that, um, so in, in the instance of a mentor, Setting a proper example. So the mentor-protege relationship, the equivalent of someone who is being mentored is called a protege. It's a French word. P-R-O-T-E-G-E. Yeah? Mentee has become used in circles because of the, the comparison of employer and employee. So we start to go mentor and mentee, but the original word is mentor and protege. So a mentor and a protege relationship is essentially a relationship of imitation. Because you are admired, you come to someone and say, I like the way you do this. Can you mentor me? Come and talk to me, house. Isn't that what informs mentorship? 
you like the way a person does a particular thing, the way they teach, the way they sing, the way they do their business, the way they run their marriage, and you say, I like the way you, I admire your life, can you mentor me? In other words, can you allow me to come into a relationship that causes everything I like about you to become my reality? Are you guys here? That's essentially what mentorship is. And, and that's why, and this is by the way, that's why it is one of the most defining relationships you can bring yourself into. A mentorship relationship. It's crucial who you choose to mentor you. It's crucial who you allow yourself mentor. A mentorship relationship is as strong as a marriage relationship. You are submitting everything about you to the ideals, proclivities, and preferences of the person you have chosen to follow in the hope that you end up as they are now. In other words, you are aspiring to be like where your mentor is now. Not even taking into consideration where your mentor is most likely going. Where your mentor is now is good enough for you if you got there. Do you understand what I'm just saying? Not taking into consideration the fact that your mentor himself or herself is on an evolving journey. Are you here? Are you sure? You understand what I'm saying? And that is the relationship of imitation. This is why Jesus picks people from the beginning of his journey and he, did, he doesn't tell them what he was going to give them. He doesn't tell them where they're going to end up. He doesn't make any promises to them. He just tells them one thing. Follow me. What does following Jesus call them into? Imitation. So you cannot be said to be following someone that you're not imitating. There's a lot of people that hang around someone, but only very few follow. In the sense of only very few imitate. So it's therefore ironic that our society understands the concept of imitation, but refuse to apply it to their work with God in Christ. Because if anybody should understand the concept of imitation, it should be us. There's no excuse for us to not understand that you are just beholding someone so intently that all you will do is the only thing he does. It's not so hard to understand. So there is a major problem if the church is struggling with her imitation capacity. We are knowing, we're growing fat on knowledge. We are adding pride to our obesity concerning knowledge we have. And it's not working the righteousness of God out of us. Mark the choice of my words. We're not arguing that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Praise God for your life. But it does nothing for kingdom advancement if that righteousness is not being worked out of you. Because in heaven, your righteousness is useless. <laughs> this is where your righteousness counts. We're not righteous for heaven. We are righteous from heaven. Is anybody listening to me? I said you're not righteous, for, you're not righteous in order to make heaven. You are righteous because you made heaven. You made heaven because you came from heaven. He that is from above, Jesus says, is above all. So you're not righteous for heaven. You're righteous from heaven. 
heaven. That's why we can expect our Savior from where we came from. Philippians 3.20 For our citizenship is in heaven from which we eagerly wait. We're not afraid of rapture. We eagerly wait because that's where we are from. It's not strange to us. The day of the Lord is a call home. It's not something we're afraid of. It's not something we're trying to make. So yes, your righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, praise God for your life, but you are in the earth so that that righteousness is worked out of you. So that it is worked out of you. And so a lot of people are uh, caught up in the message of the gospel and caught up in reformation and caught up in finished work and caught up in, on, 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 in who we are in Christ and our in Christ realities and we are not doing the simplest of all the tasks. Imitate. Positive imitation that arises from admiring what somebody who is worthy of emulation is doing. Now, I ask you a question. It might sound dumb to you. And forgive me if it's too simple for your understanding. But is Christ worth imitating? And while the obvious answer will be in the affirmative, yes, he is. It's a question that only you can answer in the depth of your heart. Because yes, is the obvious answer. But in your life, is that yes as obvious as it sounds? Are you a follower of Christ in the sense of imitating him such that your end is as him? Such that you start to lay aside the things that you liked. You start to lay aside the things that you prefer. You start to lay aside the things you would rather do. You start to lay aside the things you would rather say. You start to lay aside the places you would rather go. You start to lay aside the things you rather spend on because your eyes are fixed on someone and there's no other pursuit in life than to end up as he is. Those are the followers of Christ. Not those who are speaking in tongues. Not those who are singing and quoting finished work. And oh yes, I am preaching the message of grace. Because it's a complete message. It's the full gospel. Heaven demands seed, sir, of you. They demand fruit of you. By their fruit, they are known. The, the entrusting of God's grace in your life calls you to produce result. Is anybody hearing me? It of a necessity calls you to produce result. You must of a necessity conform to your confession. You must. We, we cannot be said to be following someone you're not imitating. You can't. And you cannot be imitating them and doing your own. You can't. If you do that, you're a rogue. Okay, I'll just wait. When my okay, go, come back and I'll go. Arrange them for you. If you do that, you're a rogue. You're sabotaging your master's business and you're sabotaging your future in the process. You can't be said to be a follower if you're not imitating. Now, I pulled up two scriptures before you. Ephesians 5.1, Mimites. 1 Corinthians 11, 1 and 2. In one, Paul says, who says? Paul says, imitate God as their children. In another, he says, imitate me as 
I imitate Christ, who is the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person, who God said, him himself, Jesus said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father, for I and the Father are one, who himself is called everlasting Father. Isaiah 9, 6, right? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Who was it talked about? Jesus, right? Christ. And his name will be called, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. What is one of the names of Jesus? Everlasting Father. Who is Jesus? <laughs> his name shall be called Everlasting Father. That's why he received worship on the earth. So Paul says, imitate me as I imitate God. Now I've said this over and over, contrary to popular opinion, that when, let me paint this picture. Are you following me so far? I'm trying to take my time with this. In Ephesians 4, when um, it says in verse 7, that when he, what is it that he ascended, but that he first descended to the lower parts of the earth, verse, verse, verse 8. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Hmm? Verse 9. Now, this ascended, what does it mean? But that he first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He that ascended is the one who descended, that he might um, feel all in all. Right? 11. And he gave some what? Gifts, right? Because it says just he gave gifts to men. He gave some men the gift to be apostles. Hmm? Some men the gift to be prophets. Some men the gift to be evangelists. Some men the gift to be pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the knowledge of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to the perfect man, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we not been tossed around, it goes on and on. Point is, go back to verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, Jesus dies for a church. Jesus institutes a church. And Jesus, in wanting to equip the saints, gives gifts of men to men to equip men. Why did Jesus not forget about men and forget about gifts and say, you know what, I will equip them myself? Where then do we get the gospel? That suggests and submits that it is each man to God. Where do we get it from? You don't need anybody. That day is not here yet. The day is coming. We are trying to get to that day. Look at the text again. Ephesians 4, 12. Look at it critically. Go back to verse 11. He gave some to be apostles. Some prophets. Some evangelists. Some pastors and teachers. To equip us for ministry. Right? To edify us as a body and to bring us to a place. So it is at the unity of the faith that gifts will cease. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why it says there, teal. So the day that no man will need another man to teach him is the day that we have all arrived at the unity of the faith. And we have all arrived at the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. It's not just arriving at the knowledge. At that point, that is where the teal is fulfilled. So these gifts are given of God to get the saints there. 
can't get there otherwise. Amen? You can't, no matter how much you know about God's word, somebody will teach you something that you don't know. I learned that early. No matter how much you have seen, there's somebody that has seen something you are yet to see. There's somebody whose dealings with God have a bit more mileage than yours. You know what I mean by mileage? Two cars, Toyota Corolla, 2005. Same engine, same specs, bought on the same day. Check the mileage, they're different. One has seen life more than another one. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So there are people in life, in this journey with God, that have more mileage than you. You will be foolish to ignore them. You will be foolish to ignore them. If that's the case, then what did Timothy and, and John Mark and Silas, why did they bother themselves chasing after Paul? And Erastus and Ephrophoditus and, 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 and all the other guys that were doing Barnabas and all the other guys that did ministry with him. Why were they following him? Because the dude had mileage. He had mileage. So, so we are imitating God and at certain times we are imitating God to the measure that he is in men that God is working with. That's what Paul meant in 1 Corinthians 11 and 1. Put it up. Imitate God. Imitate me. Just as I also imitate Christ. The measure to which I am ahead of you in this journey, imitating Christ, is the measure to which you should imitate me. So Paul couldn't be raising somebody that would not look like who was raising Paul. He says to Timothy, the things you have learned of me in the presence of many witnesses. In other words, it was not private. What Paul, Paul was saying that what Timothy learned of him is what Paul had been preaching publicly. So it wasn't some esoteric revelation. In other words, it wasn't something that Paul preached to only Timothy alone. The things you have learned from me among many witnesses, the same. Somebody said the same. same. Not different. The same. Commit thou to faithful men who in turn will teach others. Somebody say the same. same. The things you have learned from me, that's Paul. And Paul received what he received by revelation, even though he understood Gamaliel at some point, yeah, who was a, an astute teacher of the law. The things you have learned from me or heard from me among many witnesses. In other words, many people can corroborate what I've been teaching you. Commit this to faithful men. King James, KJV. And the things thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same, the same. To faithful men who in turn will teach others. So in imitating God, there is the measure of God in a man that is a gift given to you that you must of necessity humble yourself and follow. Are you listening to me? Somebody who models what is worthy of emulation. This is why James says that those of us that teach the word of God, I think chapter 3 or so, that says that we'll be judged more harshly. Emma, you know that, that text? So those of you that teach the word, we should be careful how we handle the word because we'll be judged more harshly. Not harshly in, in a sense of you're going to be in trouble, but in the sense of the fact that you're, you're subject to more scrutiny because you led people. So Paul says, I think in Acts 20, 24, somewhere there, that says, take heed, right, to the sheep that God has made you overseers over. As God purchased with his own blood. His own blood. To imitate God, there is a measure of him in a gift that God has placed over you. So it's important, therefore, where you say you are submitted. Because if there's going to be Christ on display, 
it is going to be contained in a man. Are you listening to me? So if we are intent on Christ, I repeat what I've said, and I'm, I'm saying this in this era where knowledge appears to be abounding. There is nobody that has monopoly of revelation. Nobody. Anybody that says that is proud and should be avoided because that person is a borderline heretic. Hereticism is not when you're saying what is different. It's when you are convinced that there's nothing other than what you know to say. Because then you walk into error in your conviction that you're the be-all, know-all. Does that make sense? 1 Corinthians 8, Paul starts to deal with something in verse 1. I think he's in verse 2. He switches the narrative just to, to drive a point home. 1 Corinthians 8 and 1. Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Hmm? We know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge pops up, but love edifies. And he now takes a break from what he's about to deal with, which is food given to idols. And it goes a little bit into the knowledge thing to set the thing straight. And it says, if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. Having said that, we can move on and talk about this food given to idols business. Because no one knows as much as he ought to know. And that's why imitation is important. That's why you imitate someone. Because there was something about the young man in 2000 and late 2018 into early 2019 that just felt it was cool to wear socks and sandals and walk around looking like a total idiot. So if you don't want to laugh so that it doesn't look like you are among the people, you don't want to look like an idiot. <laughs> and you saw men that ordinarily are supposed to have sense ordinarily, do you understand? On a good day. Do you understand? On a good day. Men are supposed to be intelligent. They're supposed to be eloquent of speech and hold, have small functional sense in their medulla. Remember? Walking around like all the shoes were kidnapped. Walking around with socks and slippers. Socks and sandals. Flip it on, then you don't sag your trouser and then tucking it and then you're wearing with socks and you're going around. That's what happened. And none of them could give a legible, coherent answer as to why. I hate trends. Nothing makes a fool of a people like following a trend blindly. Nothing. There's nothing that sheepishly makes fools out of people than following everything because somebody's doing it. You have no other explanation beyond the fact that you saw, you saw, you saw, so you now begin to do it. And you say you are a follower of Jesus. Everybody's dyeing their hair. So you now, you start to dye your hair a particular color. That is what is trending. Can you hear yourself? Son of God. Following a trend of a cosmos you are supposed to have authority over. Dressing a particular way because everybody is dressing a particular way. So we now, we now wear boots and say, ah, pap, you are wearing uh, Timberlands. Did anybody send a memo and say, dear 2020, do not include Timberland in your dressing. The devil is a liar. Oh, uh, don't wear waistcoat anymore. It has expired. Says who? Who has monopoly of life to determine what sons of God do? Oh, you can't wear suspenders anymore. Says who? Says who? Oh, that is so retro. Do you understand what retro is? 
Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing. Go and check your high heels you're wearing now. Your grandmother wore it. Your great-grandmother wore it. Check the early 1920s. Check the hippie age of the 60s. There's nothing new. It's just being recycled. Just being recycled. I'm like, oh, no. That's, that's what is trending. Who sets the trend? Who? And we're imitating everything and everyone except the person we should imitate. Falling over the latest movie, and falling over the latest fashion trend, and falling over the latest hair, and falling over the latest movie, and falling over the latest slang. It's from your mouth we hear all the latest slang, and you don't know what the word of life has to say. You don't know. But the latest slang, you know it. The latest trending words, you know it. Oh, I, I am a child of God. Ephesians 5.1. Put it up again, the TPT. See what it says. Ephesians 5.1 in the TPT. Ephesians 5.1, the TPT. Be imitators of God in everything you do. For then. For then. It's when you are imitating God in everything you do that you can represent your father as sons. Are you getting this? This is the first part of the introduction of the series. We'll pick it up next week. So we understand what it means to follow. Because listen to me, young people particularly, you are struggling with followership. You are. You are struggling with followership. You still feel there's something wrong when you sound like someone. But you want somebody to mentor you. But you don't want to sound like them. You don't want to act like them. You just want to be like them. You don't want to talk like them. You don't want to be known to be following them. But you want to be like them. You want to preach like them. That, that, that particular posture lifts up a resistance in you against everything you admire. So most times you become the enemy of your admiration. Do you understand? You, the only person stopping you from following who you say you want to follow is you. Only you. Nobody else. Because the only limitation powerful enough to stop you is you. So if God, Jesus, gave gifts to men to equip them for ministry, to edify the saints, and to bring them to the unity of the faith, perfect man, complete lacking nothing, and you despise those gifts, it's one of two things. It's either you are not following or you are not placed with somebody who is worthy of emulation. Or you have totally disregarded the principle of imitation. If you are not with someone that you can emulate, you are not with someone. Did you hear what I said? You are not. If you are not with someone you can emulate. Someone you can follow and say, you know what? If I end up teaching like this person, if I end up understanding the word of God like this person, I'm fine. And when you find such a person, what is your reason for not following? This is a challenge by the Spirit of God. Because there is supposed to be a plethora, a multiplication on a whole other order of people who are just following a particular straight line and just going. We will not talk as much. We will not struggle as much. We just blaze the trail and keep going. Because Christ is in us, the hope of glory. Now it's, it's up to us to put him on display and rep our father. And boy, there's a lot of repping you are yet to do. There's a lot. Especially in this season. There's a lot of repping we are yet to do. 
If Christ is being projected to you, son of God, we demand imitation of you. We do. Because it's positive imitation that arises from admiring something from someone that is worthy of emulation. And that is why we live our lives as an open book so that you can see, not just see us, but see through to us to see he who we are imitating. That's why. Now, if you collect all that privileged information, collect all that access, and it doesn't translate into imitation, you have made a fool of yourself and your time. And you know, I keep telling young people, you will not be 25 forever. You won't. You won't be 30 forever. You'll be 20. In a very short time, you will grow in age and you realize how time changes your priorities. And then you wish you followed well then. You wish you paid attention then. Because what understanding will not bring you into, age will force you into. And then someday you are somewhere and then you realize you need to grow up. And then you wish that something, an opportunity you had was maximized. Why are we struggling with imitating Christ in a society that is driven by imitation? That's the thought I want to leave you with as we explore this series. Why? As clearly as we are hearing of him. Because men in this house, I don't know about you, but we are louding it very clearly. There's no other message. There's no other message. So when we start to look, how, how will Christ respond to a crisis with a brother? You hear that your brother is in need and you are not moved by their need. And you are forming son of God. You are son of God, but it's of no use to the kingdom. You might as well vacate earth and wait for us. I'm serious. You are of no relevance here. So if we are in an imitation-driven society, imitation-driven economy, we shouldn't struggle to line up our imitation. Rise on your feet. Put us back and see. I have decided to follow Jesus. Sing. I have decided for to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. especially in this dark season you are telling the Lord that heaven can count on you to put Christ on display that's what makes this worth it amen that's what makes it worth it there's a lot we need to amend if we're not following there's a lot there's a lot we're abusing if we're not following there's a lot we're taking advantage of wrongly 
if we're not following. If you're not sounding like, looking like, evolving, speaking, having command of the word like, manifesting spirituals like, loving like, forgiving like, giving like, preaching like, evangelizing like, tolerating like, adapting like, conforming like. Just look and do. Just look and do. It's time to actually put Christ on display. And rep our Father. In this season where the lines are so blurred. Father, find the people in us. Find the people in us who are emulating. Find the people that are following. Find the people for whom this message is reality. Forgive our turning of it to mere cliches. We repent of it. We repent of reducing it to cliches and to words that don't translate in our lives. We repent of saying we follow. We repent of saying we respect your measure in men and gifts that we don't honor. We come into imitation. We come into followership so that Christ is fully formed in us. We thank you for your grace and your patience. You're such a patient father. Putting up with our excesses, putting up with our proclivities, putting up with our mess, loving us right through it. We thank you for what Jesus did. That's the only access we have before you. We thank you that in this season we are growing into becoming full stewards of it. Not just enjoying privileges, but stepping up to the responsibility thereof. We thank you and we give you praise. Amen. We give God praise tonight. Yes, go ahead. Give him glory. This concludes Hallelujah. this message. Thank you for listening and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.